and welcome to Fire Away, Rudner Law's online show focused on the employment law issues that matter to you. My name is Stuart Rudner. I'm an employment lawyer and mediator and your host of this season three, episode 11 of Fire Away. Just a reminder that Fire Away streams live online every month. And if you miss an episode or if you wanna watch one again, they're always available on our YouTube channel, our Facebook page, on LinkedIn, and on our website. If you are watching live and you have any questions, we'd be more than happy to answer them. You can ask them by either posting a comment on Facebook or on YouTube or tweeting to at Rudner Law. So today I am very excited for our last episode of 2020 to be joined by not one, not two, but three fantastic guests. My first, first guest is Michael Bach, the founder and CEO of the Canadian Center for Diversity and Inclusion. My next guest is David Leahy, the founder of Predictive Success Corporation. And my third guest is Veronica Utten, who is a facilitator and talent organ optimizer, sorry, facilitator and talent optimizer with Predictive Success Corporation, as well as the managing director of V Utten and Associates. So today we're gonna to be tackling diversity and inclusion in the workplace, what that means in today's virtual workplace, as well as what it means around the holidays, uh, what employers and employees are doing and what they should be doing. So first of all, Michael, David, Veronica, thank you guys so much for joining me today. Thanks for having us. I am looking forward to a great conversation. So I was gonna start off and I'm not gonna hurt anybody's ears by singing, but uh, it's the most <laughs> wonderful time of the year as the song of many of us gets stuck in our head. Um, but I've been saying this for years that it may not be the best time of the year for everyone, particularly in the workplace. Inclusion, inclusion is often a discussion around this time. And one of the biggest challenges is that depending on where you live and within the province or the country or the world for that matter, people celebrate different holidays. There are different majority and minority cultures. And sometimes people are left out and sometimes people even with the best of intentions, make assumptions about what other people celebrate and by doing so, ignore what is important to the people around them. So, Michael, I'm going to start off with you. Um, what issues are you, have you seen in the workplace around this holiday time? Yeah, so one of the first things I think that comes to mind for me is uh, around um, the fact that Christmas is a statutory holiday. Um, from a legal perspective, you know, there are a large population of people that celebrate Christmas, but of course there's a large population that don't celebrate Christmas. Um, so that sort of starts to create some of the tensions. I think then there's just a lack of knowledge and understanding about various other celebrations, the largest of which of course are, are Hanukkah, which uh, we are in uh, the middle of at this point or almost the middle. And then, of course, Kwanzaa, which falls uh, after uh, Christmas. We also have uh, Christmas celebrated by uh, Coptic Christians and people from the Eastern Orthodox faith that is celebrated later in, uh, it's, it actually comes up in January. Right. Um, lack of knowledge and understanding about the various holidays, um, you know, the, and then on top of that is the sort of pendulum swing of political correctness where we fear using the word Christmas. Mm -hmm. And I am quite adamant and believe very strongly that we should be encouraged to say Merry Christmas. As long as we understand that the person we're saying it to may not themselves celebrate it. So it's having that awareness and understanding of whether or not the person you're speaking to is themselves Christian um, or if they celebrate another event. 
Um, I think it's important to have an awareness about that in everything you do. I'm thinking about my sister as an example. She was planning a, a holiday event with her coworkers and they were going to do something around a game around Santa Claus. And she called me and asked if that was appropriate. And I said, well, are all your, your colleagues Christian? And she said, no, there's, we have a couple of Muslims. And I said, well, then it's, it's really not appropriate. Um, that isn't to penalize the Christians, it's to uh, ensure that all people are feeling included in the conversation. Yeah, thanks, Michael. I'm, I'm laughing as I'm looking at the notes of topics I wanted to cover, and I think you've covered almost every one in that <laughs> segue. So we're clearly on the same page. Uh, so I'm not even sure which one I want to pick up on first, but maybe that last one is is the best because I think you made a great point, and I've said this many times that it. You know, when someone wishes me Merry Christmas, you know, I'm not going to take offense. I'm not going to wonder, you know, if they or think that they somehow mean to be discriminatory. I'm, I'm going to assume it's being said in a spirit of goodwill. Uh, but it also does cross my mind, especially in a multicultural city like Toronto in 2020, that people should be mindful of the fact that not everybody does celebrate Christmas. So like you said, you shouldn't make the assumption. Um, and then you get to things like, you know, the well, you mentioned the, the holiday parties slash Christmas party, the political correctness and the backlash against it. Uh, but maybe I'll go go uh, to you, Veronica, first, um, because this was going to be one of my questions. So how do you handle that, you know, that backlash when people say all oh, this whole political correctness thing? It's just a big attack on Christmas and I'm sick of it and I'm going to wish everyone Merry Christmas and I don't care what you say. How do you handle that kind of attitude? Yeah, I think to pick up on, on Michael's point is, uh, and to yours, is that you have to assume that people are well-intended. Um, but at the same time, uh, given, given the era that we're in, we all know that we do have to um, do our part in uh, increasing our own level of awareness. And certainly the line manager is going to be that go-to person in the organization that should know um, their team members best. And so uh, it's it's going to be um, really uh, on that line manager to ensure that they are present, uh, really present in, in the lives of their team members, particularly at this time of year, and particularly with the layer of the pandemic, right? And so uh, absolutely, there will be different ways in which the manager can help to acknowledge uh, that awareness of the various members on their teams, uh, what they celebrate, um, and um, how they might need uh, some support in getting through this particular time of year. Um, it's not always a celebratory one for everyone, and so it's to be even mindful of that, mm -hmm. that um, people are going through what they're going through, uh, and to um, it ensure that you spend the time and, and put whatever support mechanisms in place to help a person move through uh, this particular time of year in a way that they feel supported and in a way that they feel um, that they belong even, even at this time of year. Yeah, thanks, Veronica. I think those are really important questions. And yeah, feeling like they belong, feeling that they are not like second-class citizens, as I've had people say to me over the years, I think is really important. So you, you talked about the, the line manager level, which I think is obviously very important. Um, but the challenge I often find is it's actually at the upper levels of management where how do you get them to buy into things like, you know, investing, you mentioned time, but also money on mm -hmm. things like diversity and inclusion. And David, maybe I'll, I'll throw that over to you. 
Well, thanks, Stuart, and thanks for having this show today. There has been very little time, effort, and energy spent with the CEOs training them, uh, folks like myself who may perhaps come from privileged backgrounds, uh, to be more open to diversity and inclusion in their senior ranks. We just look across Canada, and you don't see very many female CEOs. We should see a lot more. Um, and the lack of training for frontline supervisors is a shameful part of where we are today. So our team at Predictive Success kept hearing this, and we came up with a training program that's really get geared at that frontline leader supervisor. When we hired uh, Veronica, who's the former VP of HR at UNICEF, to come and design a one-day program specifically for the frontline managers to teach training and the purpose behind it, it started to resonate across the country. And so if we start at the top and say, I have to do something, and then we study the case that at uh, Harvard and other schools have presented where diverse companies are as much as 30% more profitable, have higher shareholder value, the business case becomes clear. The disconnect is making it a priority. HR has so many challenges during COVID. Well, this one really gets put on the side burners and it shouldn't be, Stuart. No, I think that's a great point, David. And look, I've been saying for years that anything proactive or strategic gets put on the back burner. You know, a lot of what we do in our firm is putting out fires, but usually what we tell our clients is, is how these things could have been prevented with some strategic work. And of course, that's always, you know, the, the response we get is, yeah, that sounds great. We'll get to it sometime next year. And that becomes two or three years down the road. So, David, it's great that you guys are, are doing this. And I know, obviously, we've known each other a long time. So you guys have done a lot of work of getting the word out there. I'm going to circle back and then I'm actually struggling to keep on topic because you guys have touched on so many topics. Uh, I mean, Michael, you mentioned the statutory holidays, which has been something I've commented on over the years um, that, you know, if you, if you imagined if, if we we're starting from scratch now and you were going to draft the Employment Standards Act, it's, it's almost inconceivable that, you know, two Christian holidays would be statutory holidays and no other religious holiday would be. But that's what we've inherited. And I, I get the fact that it's hard to change that. And even just from a calendar perspective, people are used to the quote unquote Christmas or winter holidays when kids are off school. It's hard to change. Um, so I'm not advocating a, a change overnight. But I guess um, one of the issues that we often are asked about is, OK, so if there are two Christian holidays, then does everybody else get two of their own holidays to take off? with pay. And I mean, I can comment on the legalities of that. But before I do, I don't know, Michael, if you want to comment on how HR should, should respond to those questions. Yeah, in an ideal state, you'd have uh, um, flexible statutory holidays. So you'd say, okay, you've got these 10 days out of the year um, that you can take whenever you want to take them. So if you want to take them as part of Ramadan, if you want to take them as part of Rosh Hashanah, you know, pick a holiday. Um, that's completely up to you. That's the ideal state. I think, uh, and I absolutely agree with you that if we were writing the Employment Standards Act today, it would not uh, have two statutory holidays related to religion. Um, I, I think there, it isn't necessarily that complicated to change. I think whether or not there is the um, uh, drive to do that amongst governments, whether that's the uh, provincial governments, territorial or federally, um, that is the question. And right now, I don't think there is a lot of that 
uh, drive or desire. I mean, let's face it, we're in the middle of a pandemic. This is not on a list for anybody. But at the same time, you know, this could be a simple change that really moves towards true inclusion uh, for all Canadians. Yeah, I, look, I, and it's funny because I was, I was about to say I was interviewed on uh, radio and also I think in the, in the Star. I was going to say last April, but it couldn't have been April because it was pre-pandemic. So it must have been April of 2019. And I, and I said essentially what you're saying, which is we could just replace those two holidays with, with flexible holidays. I'm sure at some point that will happen, um, but I guess it remains to be seen as to when. Uh, but in the meantime, and maybe uh, Veronica, I'll, I'll direct this to you. Uh, if an employer has someone come to them and say, look, I, you know, I'd like to have a day off to celebrate my particular holiday, the same way everybody else seems to get Christmas off. How do you advise your employer clients to deal with that? Mm -hmm. Well, we know that employment standards deals with the minimum. And uh, certainly organizations have the latitude to do more than just the minimum. So the organizations that I've worked with who um, are progressive, who um, pay attention to their uh, diversity and inclusion mix, uh, recognize that uh, this is something they have in the power of their own hands. And so uh, I've already seen in, in organizations that I've worked with where they offer that level of flexibility with their uh, staff so that they can utilize the, um, you know, the leave days. They don't necessarily call them public holidays, but they'll call them, you know, sort of general time off days. And, the, and individuals can then work with their managers to schedule uh, their personal time off in a way that still allows the organization to meet its objectives. Um, yeah. So it becomes that level of uh, engagement with, with individuals in the organization to have those, um, you know, regular conversations where you, you understand who your team members are and uh, what's going to be important to them uh, as it relates to, um, you know, feeling uh, like they are truly part of the, the community of the organization while still meeting um, the needs that the organization is there to meet, whether it's to raise revenue or to you know, service clients or sell products. They can still do it in a way um, that allows every individual uh, to experience um, being themselves in an organization uh, that they choose to work with. Yeah, and look, you made a great point, which is all of this comes down to communication. That's where it starts, and then 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 being flexible. Uh, so I think that's that's a, a really important point. And, and again, to your point about organi organizational needs, I mean, it might be that it's a factory that just shuts down over the winter holidays, and so you can't have someone saying, "Well, I want to work on Christmas, but take another day off," because I'd be the only person in this factory, which is mm -hmm. not viable. So you've got to take into account organizational needs as well, but. There are ways to be flexible. I mean, we often get the question about, do, do we have to give uh, non-Christians two days off? And, and the answer is no. The Human Rights Commission has been pretty clear on that. But you do have to find a way to allow them to observe their religious holidays or religious obligations without a loss of pay. And okay. so, again, communication. It might mean that they work extra hours and then use the time off in lieu. There's lots of ways to achieve that. Um, but a hard no is never a good, good starting point. But it's also important to understand what your obligations are. And, and to your point, Veronica, you can offer more. ESA is the minimum. Mm -hmm. uh, what I find interesting is a lot of employers assume they have to offer more, which is perhaps not as bad as offering less, but it's still a mistake, which you know should be avoided by A, communication, and B, good legal advice and understanding your obligations. So 
David, I don't want to uh, leave, leave you in the background for too long. So maybe I'll, I'll turn back to you. And I mean, you talked about you know diversity and inclusion at a more general level, which I want to come back to. I mean, we had you know the other I'll say the, the other really big story in 2020 was Black Lives Matter and a renewed push for diversity and inclusion, you know, in society wide and in the workplaces, in the boardrooms, etc. Uh, and of course, this has been an evolution that's been taking place for decades and it's not going to change overnight. Um, but as we said in our, our pre-show call, I mean, the, the, the media attention has obviously, you know, petered out a bit, which it's always going to. But how do organizations make sure they don't just forget about this need? And as you said, the business reasons for diversity and inclusion. Uh, David, I think you're still on mute. Uh, CEOs that I talk with, speak with, and consults, uh, they, they, they really are about uh, avoiding risk. And their boards are very worried about additional risk brought in. The lack of a training program on DNI is a certain risk for them that is leading to, to litigation. I mean, just look recently, the federal government uh, was sued uh, substantially. Uh, and there's a big lawsuit because there was a lack of DNI training for the frontline leaders and supervisors. So I worry about companies across Canada that do not have a diversity inclusion program and the risk they're bringing in. Uh, a lawsuit, Stuart, as you know, is nasty. It go on for a long period of time and it costs hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, of course, we bring in great counsel like yourself, um, but let's avoid that. Um, you know, I'd want you acting for me, but by having a training program, you really can have a better position to avoid the risk. And HR's really number one priority is to reduce risk for the CEO. And yeah. I'm just so I'm so worried that so many companies do not have a DNI program uh, set in place uh, as we move into 2021. Yeah, and I got to jump on something you said because it often amazes me when I suggest things like you know updating your policies or a DNI program, and the answer I get is yeah, it sounds great, but it's not in the budget this year. Uh, and then my usual response is exactly what you just said. You know, do you have a budget for a lawsuit this year, which will be a lot more money than what we're talking about, uh, and then it's not optional, right? So I think that's a really important point for people to take home: is you know you can put off the proactive work for so long, but at some point you may not have a choice and you're going to have a much bigger expense because you didn't make uh, make those efforts beforehand. I think it's a really, really important yeah. point. And Stuart, it's even covered by Ontario job grants. I mean, our training program, the government of uh, Ontario will pay for 80% of it. Uh, so it is important. Uh, and we've created a mini program, a one day program or a two days. So um, I just, uh, you know, I, I look to this and say, um, prepare the company to be the best version of themselves in the years ahead. And the business benefits of having a diverse uh, training program and diverse leadership clearly shows we can Google it and it's higher shareholder value. Uh, companies think differently, they think more completely. So the business payback is uh, is quite substantial. Um, pioneers in this area, like yourself and Veronica and Michael, uh, we're going to continue the spree across to Canadian leaders because it's very important. We have a great country. We want to keep it better. We don't want to be like the United States. We never want to. And this is one area where we need to focus our energies and say, yes, let's put some training for the year ahead and the ROI will follow. I should have warned you that uh, Rob, our producer, is in the U.S., but uh, hopefully he's not. At least he didn't mute you when you said that. So you have to thank him later on. Uh, well, I hope he didn't. I hope he didn't vote for Trump, but maybe he did. Who knows? <laughs> 
Uh, we've got enough to talk about without going there in this show. Uh, but And it's already 12.53, as, as I said to you guys in the pre-show, this thing just, it always flies by. Um, Veronica, maybe I'll turn to you because we haven't talked yet about, you know, the, the working reality for many of us right now, which is that most of us are working from home. Uh, and it looks like many of us are going to be working from home for the foreseeable future, uh, if not permanently in many companies. So there have been reports that working from home, although it has some benefits, can lead to, first of all, feelings of isolation and, and being disconnected, but also increasing prejudice and racism. Um, so I guess I'll, I'll just ask you, Veronica, first of all, have you heard about uh, issues like that? And if so, how, do you, how does an employer address them? Well, certainly uh, from my work in the educational sphere, uh, in, it, students, for instance, um, are now feeling the crunch as um, not all of them will have access to uh, the right level of internet or the, the equipment to allow them uh, to do the work they need to do. And, and this is actually spilling over into the work world is that there are individuals um, who were living on a tight budget um, in, in their uh, roles who um, don't have the additional funds to expand or improve on their internet coverage. And so, uh, and they may not have access to a laptop, uh, you know, the things that we take for granted. Yeah. And so these individuals, in fact, are being alienated uh, in a way that allows them not to uh, participate fully the way they were able to uh, prior. So they are feeling um, abandoned um, and excluded from certain elements of work life uh, simply because they don't have the resources, the tools, or the capacity um, to to bring those things to bear. So it is, again, uh, I'm, I'm really honing in on the line manager today. It is incumbent on that line manager to pay attention um, and to check in with their uh, staff on a regular basis and to um, do what they can within their capacity to um, open up those lines of, of access. Um, a lot of uh, progressive organizations are building in uh, equipment uh, policies so that their staff can have the minimum uh, equipment required in order for them to fully participate in their roles in, in a way that leaves them feeling like they're still contributing, even uh, you know in isolation from home. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I mean, you hear the stories as well. Another one I came out of the U.S., I believe there was a woman who had a, she was a single mom, I believe two kids, lived in a one or two bedroom apartment uh, and was fired because her kids were too noisy during meetings. Uh, so there's situations like that where clearly she hadn't decided she wanted to work from home. It was imposed upon her and there's no she didn't have an option. It wasn't like she had some large mansion that she could have gone to uh, or some other daycare alternative. So. These are really important points and it gets back to what you've said a few times, which is communication. Um, so speaking of communication, we are just about out of time for the discussion. Uh, I'll, I'll give each of you, if you maybe 30 seconds, if any of you want to uh, add anything more to what you've already said. Uh, Michael, do you want to go first? Sure. So, you know, as you were bringing, talking about Black Lives Matter and the impact that it's had, you know, we've seen a huge explosion in the demand for our training programs. Um, we developed specific anti-racism training programs um, to address the needs and the, the demand has gone through the roof. The question I always ask is what next? So to employers, 
it's not as simple as, okay, we're going to roll out this anti-racism training and then everything will be great. Uh, I don't think enough employer, employers really ask the question of what next, where's the strategic plan, uh, where are our goals, where are the initiatives that take us three and five years into the future, uh, and then execute on that. Uh, and it's a question that needs to be asked. Yeah, thank you, Michael. You, you are very much like a lawyer. I gave you 30 seconds and you took about a minute. <laughs> Veronica, how about you? Um, certainly I've been spending a lot of time um, helping to build awareness. Uh, it, it, there has never been a better time for people to really be paying attention to, um, you know, the Black Lives Matter platform. Uh, but still, there are organizations that are saying, well, I just don't have time. I can't fit it in. Uh, I don't have a budget. And as, as uh, was mentioned a little earlier, um, if there's a lawsuit, you're going to find the budget. So it, I think it's incumbent on um, HR. You know, this is their this is their opportunity to um, understand the business they're supporting and to build a solid business case that a CEO simply cannot say no to. Very well put, Veronica, thank you. Uh, David, do you get the, uh, the last shot? I think I was about the economy firing up. A lot of new hires are gonna be starting in January and February, and too many people are biased against names or uh, color, race, gender. And so that's where we're we now need to, as CEOs, move to uh, the use of predictive analytics. Uh, fortunately, we have a survey called the Predictive Index, which measures core drives. We don't care about race, creed, gender, orientation. And it allows us to bring people into the organization that we may have not normally brought into. Because we have to start with becoming more diverse at the entry point. And analytics, uh, we've heard a lot about it, are your new friends. All companies should have an analytics uh, solution. Great. Thank you, David. And that is all the time we have for our discussion. So I, I got to thank the three of you, David, Veronica, Michael. That was fantastic. So thank you again for joining me on Fireway. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. And now I get my, my last chance of the year to fire away myself. So... Every year around this time, I find myself commenting on workplace issues that arise out of the holidays. And on the bright side, this year, most organizations aren't going to have to worry about inappropriate behavior at the holiday party. Uh, but there are still a lot of other serious issues relating to diversity and inclusion that are particularly relevant at this time of year. Uh, we just had a fantastic discussion in season three, episode 11 of Fire Away uh, with a truly, truly amazing group of guests that we could have gone on for hours. Uh, but among other things, of course, we discussed some of the issues that arise during the holiday season. And I'm not going to rehash that. I encourage everyone to, to, to watch that discussion. Um, but I will also encourage everyone to consider the issues that arise. And remember that even the smallest things can make a huge difference in the employment relationship. And it, it is amazing how often we have people come into our office or virtually come in these days uh, because of perception of harassment or discrimination or just that their boss is not respecting them. And the biggest complaint is often something like, my boss never says good morning to me. Uh, and of course, when we probe a little deeper and perhaps we often engage uh, the company, what we find out is something as simple as when the boss comes in, she walks down the hallway, but this particular employee is not along her path, which is why she doesn't say good morning. But this particular employee feels as though she's being excluded every single day at work. And that just gets self-perpetuated when other things happen that would otherwise be you know, irrelevant. 
So now imagine where someone in the typical year around this time of year sees the workplace filled with Christmas decorations and this Christmas music and they're having Christmas cookie exchanges and a Christmas party and everyone is saying very Merry Christmas to each other and everyone gets a paid day off on Christmas Day. Uh, but that's not the holiday that this person celebrates. So now they feel as though they're essentially a second class citizen is the term I often heard. So I will just encourage everyone to make sure that whatever you're doing this year and in future years for the holidays, make sure it's reflective of your workplace population. Uh, as Veronica said during uh, episode 11 of season three, communication is critical. So find out what people are, you know, what their history, what their background, what their traditions are. Make sure you incorporate those don't just pay lip service to the idea by renaming your Christmas party into a holiday party because that's that's pretty transparent and we've all seen that. Make a real effort to be inclusive and respectful of everyone. You know, it's interesting that we always, you know, for our team always advises our clients to be mindful of the legal implications of the actions they take, but also be mindful of the inclusion implications or how you might be inadvertently making someone feel like they're not a part of the group or the workplace or they're somehow less important. So that's all I have for today. And I guess for, for 2020, uh, it will be a very different time this year, but I hope everyone has the chance to enjoy the holiday season and uh, spend some time uh, socially distant perhaps, or at least with the people in your immediate household. But I wanna wish everyone a happy and healthy new year as well. And that as we wrap up season three episode 11 of fire away which is our last show of 2020 i do want to remind everyone that at rudner law our goal is really to help people make informed decisions about workplace issues so i will invite everyone to keep up to date on employment law issues by following our social media subscribing to our newsletter and of course uh, following our COVID 19 resource page as well but as i always say none of that replaces legal advice that is customized to your particular circumstances if you think you might need an employment lawyer you probably do so please feel free to reach out to us our next episode in 2021 will be an open q a session on all things covid 19 workplace related i'll be joined by several members of the rudner law team and we'll be happy to answer your questions that's going to be on january 19th but if anybody has questions in advance feel free to send them to us at info at rudnerlaw.ca and we'll certainly get to as many questions as we can. Last reminder that past episodes can be found on our YouTube channel, on our website, on Facebook and on LinkedIn. If you like our page or subscribe to our channels, you'll get notifications when episodes are live. And last but not least, a very special thank you to all the people who put this show together uh, yeah, together every month. So Rob, Rebecca, Mark, thank you guys for all the help throughout the year, including the show today. And uh, final word, whatever it is that you celebrate, if you celebrate anything or if you just want to enjoy a, hopefully a relaxing end of the year, I want to wish everyone all the best for the season and all the best for a very happy and healthy 2021. Thanks for tuning in and take care.